This is the Ultimate Attorney Podcast, the podcast for small law firms who want to create a thriving legal practice. Each week, we'll uncover the ways that you can improve your referrals, your marketing, and your business operations, helping you to generate more revenue and elevating your life and your law practice. In each episode, we'll tap into some of the closest guarded secrets from industry titans, thought leaders, and legal specialists. We're glad that you've tuned in. And once again, it's time to help you become an ultimate attorney. Welcome back to the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. My name is Dre Redfern. And this is Alexis Neely. And welcome to yet another awesome week where we got another fun topic for you. This week, we are covering how to choose your area of practice as an attorney. Mm -hmm. Now, we know so many attorneys go into law school, they they take the bar, and as they're going through this process, they think that they know exactly what they want to do. Sometimes they're right, sometimes that changes. And we know and have talked to, I can't even keep track of how many attorneys have started down one area and moved into another area of practice as their career sort of uh, carries on. So in this episode, we're going to take some time to really address the area of practice that you are going to go into. Or if you're not necessarily loving what you're doing, give you some options that may be beneficial for you to maybe course correct your area of practice inside your law firm right now. Yes, absolutely. And the first thing that we want you to know is that it's very important for you to choose a practice area where you can become the expert or an expert in your field and not be what we call a door lawyer. Door lawyers are not ultimate attorneys by any means. Door lawyers are lawyers who take whatever walks in the door. And the problem with this is that you can never become the best. You can never become the expert. You can never become the go-to lawyer for the people who want the legal services and the outcome that you provide when you are taking whatever walks in the door because you're just taking whatever walks in the door. So one day you might get a landlord-tenant issue. One day you might get a divorce. One day you might get a criminal matter. One day you might get a will and trust. There's no way for you to keep up with all of that and create any systems to put in place any technology, to really hire any team support that's going to be able to support you to reach your goals. Instead, you are going to be constantly on this like trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. So if that is the kind of lawyer that you are, if you are a door lawyer, make a commitment today to make a shift and get really specific on what is the legal outcome that you want to provide to clients. Uh, Just this past week, I did a webinar with Above the Law on why estate planning is the perfect practice area, the surprisingly perfect practice area. I'm going to talk about that last and let you know right up front, I have a bias. I think estate planning is the perfect practice area for most lawyers. Even if you hated your trust and estates classes in law school, I did too, because you know they're not just not teaching trust and estates in a way that makes it really enjoyable in law school, but you can still have a law practice that you absolutely love serving clients for trust and estates. So I'm going to put that one last. And I think that the starting place, Dre, when somebody is considering a practice area is, do you want to do litigation where you're in court all the time? 
You don't have control over your schedule. You're dealing with opposing counsel, oftentimes very adversarial. And, you know, for me, I ruled that out. By the way, I did really like it the first time that I went to court. I went to court on a probate matter. I was terrified. I was like, I don't know what to do here. And then uh, this little voice in my head said, just act like a lawyer. And I did. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked out great. And I actually really loved it. I really, really loved it. I felt like a lawyer and felt really powerful and good. And I felt like I was really helping my client by going to court. But, you know, I ruled it out when one night it was 11 o'clock and I was on a deposition and that's just when the deposition went until. And the case was really interesting and it was really juicy. And I really liked it a lot from the like intellectual challenge and the strategy perspective. But I was a mom. I couldn't be at depositions until 11 o'clock at night. And there was an aspect of dealing with opposing counsel that was so challenging for me emotionally and personally. I just couldn't do it. And I remember this, this one lawyer who was in one of, uh, one of our programs at New Law Business Model years ago. And he, this was back when we, we did a bunch of live events and he had come in, he had come to one of our live events and he said, you know, I joined you when one day I filed interrogatories, which is, um, you know, as you all know, um, a thing that you file in litigation. He said, I filed these interrogatories and I looked at the date they were going to be due. And they were going to be due at a date that was going to ruin opposing counsel's Christmas. And he said, I, he said that he went to, you know, pump his fist in the air in celebration that he was ruining opposing counsel's Christmas. And then halfway through that fist bump, he realized, whoa, I've become somebody who is happy to ruin another person's Christmas. This is not who I want to be. And he began to recognize that he was bringing that way of being home with him as well. At home, he was being adversarial with his family. He wasn't able to leave that litigation-oriented way of being at work. It started to bleed over. And so he came to us to learn how to do estate planning because he wanted to serve families in a practice area where he could bring families together rather than tear them apart, where he wouldn't have to be dealing with opposing counsel in these adversarial ways, where he'd be able to have full control over his schedule and make a great living. And to me, that's what makes estate planning the best. But there are other practice areas where you could probably do that as well. So if you don't want to be a litigator, you might want to be what we call a transactional attorney. I actually hate that term, transactional attorney, because who wants to be transactional? Actually, your clients don't want, I don't think, maybe, maybe some people want a transactional attorney, but I don't think people want a transactional attorney. I think what they really want, what we're teaching at New Law Business Model is how to be a relational attorney, how to actually create connection with your clients and relationships with your clients where you're able to be a trusted advisor. But let's say that you don't want to be a trusted advisor, that you really do want to do like a one and done transaction that can be systematized, where you can have team support, where you can just do, you know, you know, okay, great. I can charge, you know, $4,000 or $5,000 for a case. I can bring them through the process and then be done. You really do want to do it as a transaction. Well, then look at something like bankruptcy. You know, that can be a transactional practice that 
might have a little bit of an adversarial nature, but not for the most part. If you're taking pretty standard bankruptcies, you know, you could do something like uh, social security disability. That's a pretty much, you know, one and done type transactional practice. You could do something like immigration. Now, I think that there's ways to do immigration that is more relational. I think there's ways to do bankruptcy that are more relational, but you, you could do, you know, a practice area like that. But I think that estate planning is the single best practice area. Whether you're serving families or families and small business owners, I do see a lot of lawyers who are really happy doing trademark law. I don't quite understand how they're making a good enough living doing it because it's such a limited practice area. Like you're doing a trademark and I don't know, what are you getting paid for that? Maybe $1,500 to $2,500. You got to do a lot of trademarks every month at that rate in order to, I think, have enough clients to have a really thriving practice. And so maybe if you're willing to invest a lot in being known as the trademark lawyer, and there are a few lawyers out there who are doing that in a specific niche and you know, okay, every month I need 20 new trademark clients. And if you're, you know, focusing on a specific niche, like what we talked about, really I've identified your avatar, like we talked about in the prior episode, and you know that there's 20 clients a month that need trademarks, you know, that are in that niche, that could be a good practice area. And if you wanted to be a trusted advisor, trademarks can lead to deeper strategic advising with business owners if you know how to help them make that transition. That's something that we help lawyers to do is to go from that one-off transaction into that more relational opportunity, being a strategist for their clients. But I love estate planning because everybody's going to die. We just cannot avoid it. It's the truth of the matter. We're all going to die. Even me and you, Dre, we're going to die. And <laughs> don't try and prolong that as long as possible, though. <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to try and prolong it, but it is going to happen. And, yeah. <laughs> and for the most part, what I find is that most people want to make sure that they've done the right thing by the people that they love. And that the really the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to have a lawyer who knows how to educate, inform, and empower their clients on how to put in place a plan that's not just going to be a one and done, stick it on your shelf, never look at it again, which is going to leave your family with a mess, but is going to be a plan that gets properly updated throughout life where the assets are owned in the right way, where the kids are going to be properly taken care of if anything happens to the parents, where the kids are going to be properly prepared to receive whatever they're receiving from an inheritance perspective, whether it's $100,000 or $10 million or $100 million, where you know you really have an opportunity to help these families to transition their wealth. And there's 90, I think it's a 45 million families are, and this is just in the US, by the way, are going to be transitioning wealth over the next 25 years, 45 million families. And again, transitioning wealth can mean that they're transitioning $100,000. It could mean 10 million or more. Obviously, there's much fewer families at the higher end. And the good news is, is that the families that are transitioning 100,000, a million, they care about their loved ones as much as the people transitioning 10 million and they're way easier to serve. They're so easy to serve. It's actually really easy to serve them in a great way when you've got systems and a team and you know how to do it. And they're happy to pay. They're happy to pay three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 for an estate plan to do it right for the people that they love. 
And then best of all, they thank you and they write you notes, thank you notes, gifts of appreciation, invite you to their family functions. Again, I just really think it is the single best practice area. But again, I'm a little biased. Dre, I'm curious what, you know, you see lots of lawyers doing lots of different things. If you've come across any other practice areas that you think are particularly great. Yeah, you know, I think everyone has their own sort of leaning. So, I mean, just for people who don't know my background, across my last 15 years in business, had really helped build a family-run business uh, risk management agency to help attorneys grow, uh, sorry, to help attorneys protect their businesses. And in that business, we've got about 8,000 law firms insured annually. Now, that being said, you get to learn a lot of the behind the scenes things that attorneys wouldn't necessarily go and brag about to other attorneys, but they need to disclose when they're filling out an application for insurance. And some of that is just the fact that they don't like their area of practice, that I chose this, but now I feel so entrenched in it that I don't know what to do. But other times people really, really love what they're doing, but they just feel stuck. And when they feel stuck like that, it's usually because you hit the nail on the head a second ago, Allie, is because they don't have the systems in their business and usually because they're doing too many areas of practice inside of their their law firm. Now, that could be like, as you said, a door lawyer being criminal defense, and then it could be a some sort of DUI, and then it could be some sort of corporate formation, and then, oh, you want to do an estate plan? Well, that, we can handle that too. But what ends up happening is, is you, those individuals don't create the systems, which if you don't have the systems, you can't scale. But the side note to that is that in general, the more, and this is just the, the facts back this up, is that the more area of practices that you participate in, the more likely you are to be sued as an attorney. That's just the reality. In the insurance world, that's called dabbling because mm-hmm. you're basically a jack of all trades, master of none. And those individuals are much, much, much more inclined to be sued because you made a mistake, whether that's missing a statute, whether that's not filing the right document, whether that's just missing something in general because you're so scatterbrained for all of the other different cases and you know projects you're trying to manage. So it's just something to keep in mind that an area of practice is incredibly important to actually define and not be a door lawyer and find something that you really do like. And even if you already have been in your career for you know, three, five, 10, 20 years, it is not necessarily mean it's too late to change. What we've seen oftentimes, if that's the case, is that if you already got an established business, then you have an attorney, you have an, uh, you know, a partner or someone else who can basically run that operation and you create a separate you know, entity, separate LLP, whatever it is, in which you can go pursue and do, you know, do what you want to do if it doesn't necessarily fit your existing firm's appetite. Or maybe you have already have a brand that's entrenched maybe in personal injury or something else and adding something, you know, adding corporate formation onto personal injury isn't necessarily a... Uh, isn't necessarily a good fit. So we've seen that happen a lot. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just gives you options as far as also not only just having systems, being able to scale your practice in whatever area of practice that you choose, but also mitigating some of that risk that you might expose yourself to as you go through your business career. Yeah, that's a huge one. Mitigating that malpractice risk is is big. And you want to have the confidence to know that you're able to deliver on a really phenomenal service. And if, you know, if you're just taking whatever comes in, you can't do that. And so, you know, Dre brought up another really good point, which is to make sure that you are choosing a practice area that lends itself to systemization. And 
I would say also personalization, right? So the lawyers that, uh, that we train and get access to our technology and resources, their practices are systematized. Now that doesn't mean that they're not personalized for each client that comes in. Every single client that comes in feels like they're the only client. But the only way that that can happen without the lawyer, of course, burning out and like feeling like they want to die is when you're able to create humanized, personalized systems that allow that to happen without you doing all of the work manually. And so, you know, really being able to provide and deliver on an extraordinary service requires you to be able to use systems. You know, one of, I, I, it was funny to me, I didn't know this. We did, we did a little survey recently of where do the lawyers that we serve most come from? And there's a huge segment of lawyers that we serve that are coming right out of law school oftentimes second career and they recognize they want a business. And so they come to us and, and they join us and they do estate planning and they serve families and business owners the way that we teach. But we've also got a big group of transitioners, lawyers who are transitioning from other practice areas. And the biggest group of transitioners, which was shocking to me, was lawyers who are transitioning out of criminal law, whether that's as prosecutors, public defenders, or private practice criminal defense lawyers. I don't know exactly why that is. Like what has a lawyer want to go from, you know, criminal defense work to estate planning? I thought for sure it would be family law. And we do have a group of people who are adding on estate planning to their family law practices, but there's something about the criminal defense practice. Also insurance defense. A lot of lawyers join us out of insurance defense. They're just tired of the insurance defense work. But yeah, something about the criminal work, I guess, must be really exhausting. And eventually lawyers get burned out and and they want to transition. Oftentimes also we have lawyers who join us who have been dabbling. Like you said, you call them dabblers. They've been dabbling in wills and trusts. And, you know, maybe they're getting anywhere between like $500 to $1,500 for an estate plan. And they realize that they're not actually doing the best service for their clients. They're putting in place a will or a trust, but you know they know that that will or trust is never going to be updated. That client's assets are never going to be owned in the right way. The kids, you know, they didn't properly name guardians for them. Maybe they've read our book, Wear Clean Underwear. They see the holes in the planning that they're doing and they say, wait a minute, I don't want to keep serving clients in this way. I'm willing to make the investment of time, energy, attention, and money to relearn not what I learned in law school, but actually learn how to have a practice that serves clients in a truly meaningful way. And, uh, and they come over to us to do that. So yeah, choose your practice area wisely. Making a mistake here can be a costly endeavor, but don't get stuck in a practice area that's not truly serving you just because you've already invested so much. You've got you know the next 10 to 40 years of your life that you're going to be doing this. You want to be doing something that you love, serving people that you really love to work with and uh, having a great life while you do it. I love all of that. I think it's some really good insights that people can execute on, uh, you know, if, if they're stuck. And so uh, that, that being said, in order to wrap this up, I think that there's a stat that I had to just verify and it's from the ABA and individuals who are facing some sort of litigation or something like that. The, the average cost now for an attorney is a hundred thousand dollars. 
that is primarily just defense costs, even if they have an attorney has done nothing wrong. But that exposure, as I said, is dramatically heightened if someone is dabbling. So focus on that area of practice. Focus on doing something that you love, that can scale, that can have systems, that really would allow you to build that ultimate law practice for you. So that's it for this episode. Looking forward to seeing you in our next episode of the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. We will see you next week. See you then. Hey there, Dre Redfern here, and we appreciate you listening to this week's episode of the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. Now, before you go, I have three quick things for you. Number one, if you're not already receiving our free premium content, then go to ultimateattorneypodcast.com and register on the right-hand column to receive all of our best free resources. Now, when you do, we'll send you access to our next level law firm bootcamp, which is a seven-day video series to help you reduce the stress of running your law firm, create more revenue predictability, and sell your services with greater ease, and it's all completely free. All you have to do is visit ultimateattorneypodcast.com and register on the right-hand side. The second thing that I have for you is that Ultimate Attorney is going to be hosting a live two-day event in Dallas, Texas on May 2nd and 3rd, and I would love to see you there. During these two days, we're gonna walk you through our six-part process to help you level up to create a seven-figure law firm and show you how you can radically scale your law firm to meet your goals. We're also giving away more than $2,000 worth of free templates, resources, and implementation plans to help you level up your law firm from the moment you leave the event. You're gonna love it, and I would love to see you there. So for more information and to register, simply visit ultimateattorneylive.com. Number three, and finally, we don't monetize this podcast with ads or sponsors. So the best compliment that you could give us would be to rate us five stars on iTunes. And when you do, you'll be entered into our monthly drawing to receive one of our three courses that Allie and I offer that are valued between $1,000 and $3,000. So don't miss out on that opportunity and we would greatly appreciate your share and your five-star review. So that's all for now. Thank you again for listening to the Ultimate Attorney Podcast, and we'll see you on next week's episode.